stronger you will be, the more you will conquer, the more you will succeed if Jesus is at the key of it. If Jesus ain't the key of it, don't expect, you know, it's basketball season, you know, going on. Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player to ever play the game. LeBron, LeBoom's not even in the conversation with that. Michael Jordan, how did he get to where he was at? Did he watch TV on basketball, sit on the couch and eat cheese puffs and do nothing? No, he went and applied himself, and he made that the key of his training is I'm going to be better because he got cut, and he said, no, that ain't happening again. That fueled him and motivated him to become the greatest there ever was. Same thing with us in our Christian world. The more we apply ourselves, the better we're going to become as people. So victory in Christ. How many of us realize that we have victory in Christ Jesus? You know, we're not trying to obtain victory. You know, it took me a minute. I hear Brother David say that all the time. You know, we're fighting from the victory, not for the victory. And it took me several several times of, to get to accept that, for one, you know, because we know how wretched at times that we can be and how unworthy we are from the fleshly aspect to accept that, man, God loves me, you know. Like, I can't even love myself 90% of the time. How am I to think that God loves me? But we're fighting from the victory. He's already given us the victory through Christ on the cross. So because of God's uh, love, you are more than a conqueror this morning. If, you're, if you've not accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, it all starts with that. Make today the day that you repent and be baptized and start your journey with God. You have victory over every temptation and spiritual assault through the power of Christ in you. If you're not focusing on that power, you will not have victory over every temptation and spiritual assault. With that being said, we're going to go to Ephesians 6. Everybody should be familiar with this, the armor of God. We're going to start in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So that says it. He ain't saying being strong in you. Speaking of that, I was going to, I forgot, I got ahead of myself. I got so emotional with the spirit. I was going to say, I must be mature, Mark. I said, I've been in here all morning. I ain't sized nobody up. If y'all wasn't here last week, that was a joke. But we're not strong in our power. I don't care how many hours you spend in the gym, that don't make you strong. Your strength comes from Christ in us. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you want to be successful against the devil, put on the armor of God. It's very clear right here, amen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, I, I hold on to that a lot. You know, when I, back when I used to teach the kids in the back, I would always tell them, you know, try not to get caught up in how people are in the flesh and how they are to you because when they're being these ways and all these different things towards you, and this applies to adults as well, pray harder for them because that's not who they really are. That's not their true identity. They're just being controlled by other forces and stuff. So when Jesus comes in that, they do a full 180. You know, it's evident in all of our lives, so keep that in mind. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. This is where I want to focus on this part. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it's our faith that helps overcome all the dark, fiery darts of the evil one. Those fiery darts is every temptation, every w- wicked thought, every anything that comes against you. That's what it is. So how do we deflect those? How do we stop those? By our faith in Christ. First, First Corinthians chapter 10 is a way of escape. So when these different things happen, you know, we can't just keep blaming, you know, well, I'm just human, all these different things. And that is true because that is the weak aspect, right? But at some point, we've got to mature, right? We talk about a mature church. It's I love y'all. Y'all know that, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as in, is in common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, this right here is telling us that ain't no temptation going to come at you, ain't none of that stuff that you can't overcome and take out. But how do you do that? You know, that Holy Spirit, when we're saved, that Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. The power of God, the creator of the universe that rose Jesus from the dead, all these things, think about that. When you start grasping that same power lives inside of you, God is bigger than anything. We can overcome anything, but we've got to stay in tune and abide in him and these things. So that being said, when those temptations and all these different things come, he's prepared us a way of escape. Well, what does that mean? You know, that saying like when some temptation comes upon you, you've got two choices in that. If you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you automatically know I've got option A. I can fall into this because that's your flesh talking to you. He's saying, well, you know, just go on and give in to this. You know, it's okay, God, forgive me or whatever goes on. The other side saying, don't do that. You know it's not right. That's the Holy Spirit. So that's your way of escape. How is that? Follow Christ. Follow his example. Follow him. That is the way of escape. All that being said, I'll close with this. So the only way to be successful in our Christian walk is to abide in Christ. Try to do it on your own. Giving God three minutes a week, you will not be successful. Those temptations come. Guess where you're going? Over and over throughout Scripture, that is repeated. Abide in me. Remain in me. All these different things. Abiding means to remain, not to depart. To last and endure. To remain as one and to dwell with. That's pretty, pretty descriptive. So, all that being said, if we aren't in a strong relationship with God uh, through studying of his word, fellowship with him and his people, constant prayer to strengthen our relationship with him, which strengthens us in return, then we will be weaker against the attacks of the enemy and will be more susceptible to wavering and falling into the temptations, which what does that do? Hinders our relationship with God, which just creates an unhealthy cycle. You always hear... You know, he said on Facebook all the time, toxic, toxic, toxic. And then toxic relationship. He's toxic. She's toxic. Well, we're toxic if we're in this vicious cycle with the creator who's the only relationship that matters above all relationships. If we're doing that with him, that is a toxic relationship. Yeah. 
So armor up in his faith and his word. Because the word goes on if you talk read on read on in Ephesians. The word of God is our our sword. You know, that is our weapon against the enemy is by speaking the word of God against it. You know, the scripture tells us that, you know, at his name demons must flee. So when they're messing with you, speak the name of Jesus. We sang about it this morning. So we can stand strong against the enemy as an example of God's power displayed to the world through us, which reveals God's glory in these last days. Amen. Amen. Good word. And the reason why J.J. ain't sizing nobody up in here because he's bigger than most everybody in here. So, I mean, he don't have to. He ain't worried about it. I'm glad you got something last week out of what I said. And that's the only thing. Sorry. Amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. You had a good, good time in praise and worship this morning. I know that. And you say, well, I, you know, it's different. Well, you know what? There's nothing in the Word of God that says we've got to be this certain way, is there? There's nothing in the Word of God that says we've got to sing this certain song or do this certain thing to make you happy, right? Again, we'll say it again. We've said it a lot. If you're here for a certain how you feel, then you're here for you and not Jesus. So you need to work on you while you're here, but you need to put Jesus first no matter what's being sung. I, I say no matter what's being sung. Sing songs here that, that uplift the name of Jesus. And they may be in a different tune, a different thing, a different beat than what you like. But they all lift up the name of Jesus, and that's what it's about. Amen. All right. So a couple other announcements that um, was not in the bulletin. So if you want to help with Vacation Bible School, we're going to meet right after church in that back room back there um, to discuss a few things. So if you volunteered to help and you want to help, and we can make sure we have all of our stuff because... What, we're two and a half weeks out or so from the uh, first night, so we need to make sure we got everything. Um, and so that'll be right after church today. Um, then youth night, um, Saturday, June 3rd, right, for the teenage group. This would be the uh, 13 to 19 year olds or whatever, 18. So they're going to meet here at church and have pizza um, and, and watch a movie, right? So um, we'll, we got to get something scheduled up for the younger ones, um, for the, you know, 7 to 12-year-olds, and we'll get with their teachers and stuff and get something scheduled for them also. But uh, so that'll be Saturday, June 3rd did, at, what, 5 o'clock? What time? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock at night. All right. Um, and then, so i got some stuff wrote down. Next, next Thursday, you know, with the yard sales a week away, or yesterday, Friday was a week from, from when we're having our yard sale. So we're going to be here Thursday about 5 o'clock to set up and to start pricing things. So if you if you want to come help, then and be, feel free to come, and, and we'll get things set up like we need to. Looking at the forecast, it's supposed to be decent weather, a little warmer than it is right now, but, but it's going to be a good time. Um, so if, you, if y'all got anything you want to bring, we can make sure this back door is unlocked during the week, and you can drop it off, whatever, whatever you need to do. <laughs> all right. Um, is that all that I had wrote down? Let me make sure. Oh, the uh, June 25th. Everybody, I'm sure some of you were like, what is he talking about on June 30th, 25th? The fun day out where 
we're going to meet, and the Baptist church over here wanted to meet, and we're going to meet at South Park and have burgers and dogs that evening, weather permitting at South Park, and um, play some wiffle ball and stuff and just have a good time of competition against each other. And so y'all stretch, you know, get get in shape a little bit between now and then. you got a month, and uh, let's let's beat the Baptist church. We can't let them beat us. Um, so, and if you know anybody that's played ball recently that want to come, I know Blake's on a softball team up in Decatur. We may just get all them here and put Victor Fellowship shirts on them because that's what most churches do because I know there ain't that many young people that go over to the Baptist church. So if we see a bunch of... You know, in in shape, guys come over there with First Baptist Church of Faultful on it. We know exactly what happened. But no, we're, we we talked about playing softball, but I think most people got to go to work the next day or, you know, that Monday. And uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I think we're just going to play wiffle ball and stuff and have some different games going on. So we'll just have fun with that that evening and a good time of fellowship. All right. Well, that's that's all the announcements. Anybody got anything else? Did I miss anything? All right, we're good. Well, let's receive our offering. Amen. Amen. Some some prayer requests this morning. Um, Jennifer Bullard, Trenda's mom, um, they're, they're at Decoration Day, not able to be here, but she had asked yesterday that we pray for her sister Cricket. Cricket Bullard's her name. She's, what, 37? 35, but... I found out this past week she's got congestive heart failure, so she wants to remember her in prayer. And then she's got a real good friend. Her name's Amber. I don't know her last name, but this this girl Amber has been in and out of drug problems and just had a baby several months ago. Now she's back on drug problems, so we want to be remembering Amber in your prayer for for her for the issues and then that she's got going on. And then I want to remember Stacy's mom this morning. Um, had a little mini stroke yesterday. I say little. I don't think any strokes. I ain't saying making that lightly, but um, had a stroke yesterday and um, is in the hospital right now. Correct? She's still there. So uh, we want to be remembering her this morning. Um, anything else before we pray? Yeah. All right, and most of you have seen these people before. They come with my Aunt Neith that sits over here, um, older, or about my, my, my mom's age and stuff, and they, she had back surgery, the woman, Judy, that comes with them. All right. Well, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come right now, and we thank you for this day and this time together. God, we thank you for the country that we live in, Father. We, we thank you for the men and women that have fought to protect this country and the freedom that we have and what we celebrate coming in for the holiday that we recognize tomorrow as Memorial Day, that, that, that Father, we thank you for them and, and what they mean to us, that we can have this time to come together and the freedoms that we enjoy. And we pray for our government right now, God. We pray for our, our president on down to, to um, through all the national government, Father, that you just touch them right now. God, if they turn their lives and look to you and, and stop looking at themselves first, but look to you on down to our, our, our state and local government, that, that they fall in line with what, you have for us, Father, not not their own agenda, but Father, we thank you, God, that you're touching and you're moving in their lives and that you're convicting them right now and they turn their lives to you and we thank you for that, God. We just bring these needs to you right now. We pray for Stacy's mom that you continue to touch and heal her this morning. 
God worries she's at in the hospital that, that these strokes that she won't have anymore and that, God, she'd just have a, a healthy life from here on out. And we thank you for that, Father, that you're healing hands on her. The same, the same with Cricket Bullard, Father, that you touch her this morning. You're healing her, Father, from this the heart failure that they say that she's having, God, that you just touch and you move in her life and you heal her physical heart. And we thank you for that, Father. We're calling that done in Jesus' name. And Amber, God, Jennifer's friend Amber, God, this, this, this addiction to these drugs has come back on her life and that she's listened to and these lies of Satan that tell her that she needs these things. Father, that she'll turn away from that and, and know who she is and turn her life back completely and fully to you. And we thank you for that, Father. God, we just thank you for this time again together. Your spirit that we know you're here and relevant and moving in people's lives, God, as the word comes this morning, that you with Brad as he brings the word. Again, we've been praying for him, God, for boldness. And, and God, that we just receive this morning what you have. And, God, we go out from here changed and changed and in in, in looking to you each and every day in our life. And we thank you for that. I would just ask that you bless and touch this time of tithes and offerings this morning, that, that you just give increases in people's lives. And we just thank you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, all right, children can go on to Children's Church this morning. Amen. Got a big group of them this morning. It's always a, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to have other people in the church and men that, that are, um, um, that heed the call of the Spirit, you know, whatever it is in their life. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to have, you know, the other guys that we do here, the other men that we do that, that have um, accepted the call to, to preach and, and share God's Word. And, and so I, it's always, you know, it's always exciting for me to give them the opportunity to preach here. You know, I know each one of them, you know, goes to the nursing home, but, but getting to preach here and, and getting to do what God's called them to do and, and stand up here and proclaim God's Word is, is a blessing for me to see. I know it was as, as when Daddy was pastor, you know, to get to, get to ask, hey, you know, will you, you bring God's Word? It's not, it's not that we don't, I don't have anything to say or anything to preach, but these guys need this time also. They need to have it. And so, um, so I had asked Brad this morning if he would come share the Word of God. And so y'all give him a hand as he comes this morning. Good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning serving God with all of you. And uh, as J.J. mentioned, when he come up here, it's uh, such a sweet, sweet spirit in this place this morning. And 
you know, he said that about Pentecostal. And I, it was funny. I was sitting in my chair thinking, man, if this gets much deeper, I'm going to have to run somewhere. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a great feeling. And, you know, it's uh, I won't, we should all understand look, this, that is a gift to us from God. Us, us feeling that sweet Holy Spirit, none of us have done anything to deserve or earn that. That's something that through God's mercy and grace and, and through the salvation and the death of Jesus that, that we get to experience because of His goodness. So it's, it's awesome to feel that. And just uh, it, you know, if you're preaching, it, it's just great to come in and, and feel that spirit before you come up here. Uh, it just it makes things just so much easier. But, um, the title of this message is kind of long here, but pull up a chair and eat from God's table. Um, and this is gonna it's gonna start a little different. Uh, if y'all don't mind, it's not gonna be a boring history lesson. It's interesting. It's facts of the Bible. But we're gonna have a little short history lesson this morning before we really get into things. Thank you, brother. These are some things that you know you just uh, you got to dig a little bit to find and, and to research and study. Uh, it's not actually a lot of it right there in the scriptures, um, but let's go through some of these. Um, so a denarius is is what a lot of people made for a day's wage then. Uh, so a denarius today would be worth forty four cents to at the most a dollar and seventy eight cents. Um, so go on further. Um, the money Jesus was betrayed for today. Our Savior was betrayed by one of His own. One of His own apostles was the one that turned Him over to man and betrayed Him. Um, that money that He took that day, today would be worth between 91 and $441. So our precious Savior was betrayed for something that all of us can make in a day's pay, some of us. The perfume, it's ironic, that Mary Magdalene used to clean and anoint Jesus' feet with um, would cost between 132 and $534, 300 denarius today. 300 days of work is what this bottle of perfume she used would have cost. So this lady was willing to pour more money onto Jesus' feet than he was betrayed for by man. Move on to the temple of Jerusalem. You know, you never, you always hear, you've heard the scriptures, no stone would be left unturned when the, when the temple was destroyed. And in my mind, a lot of times I was thinking, okay, we're talking about bricks or rocks or, or these structures. Let me just tell you how amazing that feat was. The colonnaded walkways, courtyards, and stairways filled 20 acres of the most prominent landscape in Jerusalem. Each stone weighed several tons. White marble stones with gold ornamentation reached as far as 100 feet high in the sky. So think about the work that went into it, first of all. They had horse, oxen, donkeys, ropes, used sticks, I'm sure, as levers, to move these several ton stones to, to build this. And it was destroyed like that. All these big, wonderful things. 20 acres of walkways and stairways. 
Now let's move on. And these are just random facts. And I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. It's not just a history lesson. But I hope you enjoy it like I did. I love to know stuff like this. Jesus and the apostles were dipping their bread. And it's called garum or garum at the Last Supper. It kept talking about dipping into the same bowl and dipping the bread in the bowl. And I was thinking, well, what were they dipping the bread in? I got curious. I'm like, I'm gonna, I got to search this a little bit. So garum was a fish sauce made of boiled or fermented fish with lots of salt. Okay? Almost maybe like an Asian fish sauce you might go to the market and buy today. Um, which, if you have high blood pressure, I would not recommend that. I think it's 1,490 milligrams per teaspoon. Yeah. Um, but what, what's, what's, what's good about this is the garum, we've never heard of that, right? Most of us. I haven't. Never heard that word. Okay, well, during the fall of the Roman Empire, salt received such a high tax that it became a thing of the past because people had to start using salt for absolute necessities only. That's why this disappeared. They knew, that, hey, these people have to have money or they have to have salt to preserve this food. They didn't, have, they didn't go to Lowe's and get a refrigerator. Okay, they had to have a way. Lots of salt is how they prepared their food and preserved it. So they were incredibly taxed by the Romans, um, and, that, and that's why this, the garum disappeared. Okay, moving on to the Sea of Galilee. It was eight miles wide, 13 miles long. Okay, I never knew that. I'm thinking Sea of Galilee is probably this really big, huge sea or ocean. It was eight miles wide, 13 miles long, and it set kind of inside of a, a mountain landscape. So the climate could be snowing on the mountaintops, and 105 degrees down there at beach level. Um, next is the significance of a lamp. In Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, and we've probably all heard the scripture before, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If, it is, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. As when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. We've all, we've all heard about being the light of Jesus. Uh, letting our light shine. Letting our lamp shine. Um, and again, we hear that and we understand it, but we don't really understand the significance of it if we haven't dug into the Word of God. Um, it, it talks about lamps here in my Bible. That It says, Lamps were very common in Jewish homes. They burned olive oil, pitch, naphtha, or wax. And they had wicks of cotton or flax. Jewish tradition says that priests made wicks from, um, well, where that? Made wicks from the lamps for the lamps of the temple with their old garment linen. Linen. Uh, the poorer Israelites had their lamps of clay, while the wealthy had lamps of bronze or other metals. The Israelites let their light burn all night, since light made them feel safer. We are told that the family would rather go without food than let their lamp go out. Since that indicated that they had deserted their house, 
The writer of Proverbs praises a prudent wife, saying her lamp does not go out by night in Proverbs 31.18. Several other Bible passages show that the lamp symbolized the life and dignity of a family. So we think of lamp of just something that shines, right? This lamp then, lamps then, were your livelihood. If your lamp was out, they thought something was wrong in your household or you deserted and went somewhere. They would rather go without food than without the light that the lamp gives off. So now how much more does it mean that the lamp, or that we're the light of the world? That we should let our light shine. You know, the um, Wednesday night, Brother Mark started talking about some interesting facts about Luke. And I wanted to throw something at him. Like, Stop. Because, you know, I've, I've actually, God gave me this message a month ago. And it's been building up and building up um, for, for a month now. But I had some facts about Luke that, and again, look, this is just stuff you've got to dig into to find. You don't, you're not just going to see it. Um, Luke never met Jesus. Okay? Never met him. He, he wrote one of the Gospels. He never met Jesus. He was a well-educated man who went around gathering information about Jesus and then spent time adding the facts, sources, and proof of authenticity. So he was from place to place to place, hearing stories, talking to people, finding out, is this truth? Is this fake? Did he do this? Did he not do this? Okay, Luke was the only Gentile to write in the New Testament. He knew Paul and sometimes traveled with him. Luke invested his life in the ministry of the Philippian church. Um, you know, Luke is for all of us to read and, and, and to get God's Word, but Luke was actually addressed to an individual, um, Theophilus, who was a Gentile and a new believer, who Luke wanted to reassure that God was still at work in the Christian community. Luke is the only gospel with a sequel. Acts is actually, I mean, you could call it Luke 2. It's the sequel to Luke, Acts. Um, and is the longest of all Gospels. Okay, so something I asked my wife this, just, I don't know, yesterday maybe. But Mark fourteen forty three tells us that Judas, when he came to betray Jesus, that he came with a great multitude, it says. And in my little head, I've always thought for some reason... And I asked her, and she has to. I said, how many men would you think Judas came with to take Jesus? And I was thinking, oh, a handful, six, eight, ten people. She said the same thing, I don't know, ten, twelve. Because he went willingly, right? Um, there was no reason uh, to fear him. Well, you read into that. Judas came with approximately 600 men to take Jesus. 600 men they came with to take Jesus. And the reason I'm telling you all this, and we're having somewhat of a little history lesson here, is, you know, something God's dealt with me with. And, and first of all, I want you to understand, in no way, shape, or form is this anything about me boasting on anything that I've done. Please understand that. I am absolutely nothing. Saved by the grace of God. I'm a nobody that He loved because His greatness and His goodness is that good. His mercy and His grace are that good to me. But it took me 
getting into the Word of God, and pulling a chair up to His table, and eating of His food to know these things. They didn't just slap me in the face on the way to work. I just didn't open a page and go right here and be like, oh, look at this. I didn't know any of this stuff. No, it took digging and dissecting because I love my Lord and Savior. And I want to know more and more about Him each and every day. I want Him to fill me up with His goodness and His Word and the facts and knowledge that's going to help me in life. And, and, and God was just kept on hitting me with this and hitting me with this, hitting me with this. Look, you know a couple of scriptures here and there. You know where to turn to find the books of the Bible. But how much do you really know about me? How much time have you really spent learning things about me? You know, the Bible tells us that we should study to show ourselves approved. Studying, it don't say we should read to show ourselves approved. It says we should study to show ourselves approved. That means we've got to dig into the Word of God. We've got to come, we've got to sit at His table. We've got to eat of His food if we want to grow in our Christian life. Instead of sitting and being stagnant in our lives. Matthew verse, uh, chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Man, I forgot about my water. Now, this is talking about the prayer in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Um, Jesus knew the time was near. It was right upon him. And he was wanting to pray. But he was also wanting people to pray with him. Then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciple, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then when he came to his disciples, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You know, as I was reading this, and, uh, you know, several scriptures I was reading through when I was studying this and looking at this, is, um, I got emotional, real emotional reading it. Um, you know, sometimes things happen in our lives, and 
until they happen, we don't really get the full meaning and understanding of other scriptures until we've been through some things. You know, sometimes we picture Jesus as a superhero that didn't feel pain, didn't have any feelings. He was just, uh, you know, he was just something that was here that was, like I said, a superhero that, that didn't feel things, didn't go through the things, same things we went through. But this scripture tells me that he was sorrowful and deeply distressed. And defining deeply distressed, the first definition that popped up for me was extreme anxiety. Extreme anxiety. So you're thinking, that, that can't be right. There's no way Jesus was afraid and scared and, and anxious and had anxiety over the situation. There's no way that went on. He was Jesus. He's a superhero, right? Jesus was a man just like me and you. Jesus felt pain. He had sorrow. Uh, he, he was in fear and anxiety. He, he wasn't scared that God was going to leave him or forsake him. He wasn't scared that, that God's will wasn't going to be done. He was scared because he knew he had to do all these steps just right. He knew what was about to happen. And he had nervousness about him because he knew what was going to take place. And, you know, it, it made me think, like I said, sometimes we have to go through things and, 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 and get in places we don't want to be in before we can truly understand some of this Scripture and what the meaning is behind it. You know, I've talked to all of you before about the panic attacks that I started having over a year ago. And, and when I have these, it's a terrible thing to go through. And I'm reading the Scripture and I start to think about that. Because the first thing I do when I wake up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning is I try to get Elizabeth to wake up with me. Hey, can you set up with me? I'm scared. I think I'm about to die. Can you just set up with me for a little bit? And, and, and so I have somebody to keep me company. Uh, you know, it'll take some of the fear away maybe. Uh, maybe it'll take some of the anxiousness away, the nervousness. And, and just like these disciples, she wants to. And a lot of times she does. She'll get up with me. But there's times, seconds go by, minutes, she dozes back off. The Spirit is willing. The goodness of our heart is willing, but sometimes the flesh is weak. And until I go through this, I didn't really understand this. I'm thinking, you know, this is what Jesus was doing. This is what Jesus... He knew something was coming. He wanted people with Him that He loved and that He trusted to pray with Him and help Him through this thing. And they slept. Not because they didn't love Him. Not because they didn't want to help Him but because we're human beings and that's what our flesh does. So, you know, I've had so many questions about this. God, why? For the first time in my life, I feel like I'm doing the very best of my ability to serve you the way you want me to serve you and to do the things for you that you want me to do for you. Why now would I be going through these things that's hindering me from fulfilling all of your word in my life. Why would I be going through this now and not when I was off in the world and didn't care about anything about you? Why would I be doing that? And he said, it's because the only way I could get you to pull your chair up to my table and eat from my food. The only way you can understand what I went through in that garden is if you understand what it feels like to think that your life is coming to an end 
and to be nervous about what you're going through and not know what the next second holds, that's the only time in your life that you're going to understand this Scripture. And if you want to eat from my table, sometimes you're going to have to go through things to understand where I'm coming from. You know, that's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It says, Unless I shall should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measures. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Three times Paul begged, God, remove this thorn from my side. Your thorn today might be depression. It might be anxiety. It might be drugs, alcohol. It might be a filthy mouth. It might be uh, hatefulness. It might be, it might be a lot of different things that's the thorn in your side today. And you may be begging to God, remove it. Please remove this thorn from my side. I can't go on like this. I've been there. It's been more than three times. It's been about 300 times. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, I think sometimes, poor pitiful me. Why do I have to go through something like this at 40 years old? Poor me. And then God reminds me, you've already lived seven more years than my perfect son did. I've given you 40 years of life and my precious son got 33. So tell me again why poor pitiful you. Mm. Whatever ailment, sickness you have been praying for, keep praying. Keep believing just like Paul did. But have pleasure through it. You're saying, well, you're crazy. I'm not going to have pleasure through health problems, infirmities. I'm not, how do I have, have pleasure through it? Knowing that God is doing this for you, not to you. Because you need to see some things. You've got to get out of your way and get in His light so you can see what He needs you to see. You can't do it when everything's perfect. I can't be jet skiing on the lake and understanding why God had to go through this. Sometimes I have to be down in the bottom of the valley to understand it. 